0: Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and I'm joined tonight with by Chicky.
1: Hey, I am Chicky Chikrin on Tumblr.
0: Eon.
2: Hi, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And a couple of returning guests. We have Mitchell.
3: Hey, I'm Mitchell. The fake Mitch M on Twitter.
4: And Emmy. Hi, I'm Emmy, and I'm at the Golden Kitten King on Tumblr.
0: Best <laughs> Tumblr name ever.
4: Thank <laughs> it's you. It's such a mouthful. <laughs>
0: So, tonight we'll be covering Catelyn 5 from A Clash of Kings, and the chapter, and spoiler alert, spoiler, spoiler warning for all of Song of Ice and Fire, and all of Game of Thrones, and, um, like, the Oscars, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I know, I was trying to think of a clever way to make an Oscar reference, and there's nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's all I got. Um so this chapter starts with Kat just two days' ride from River Run. And her group is met by one of Rob's scouts who sends them on to Martin Rivers, a Frey bastard, who commands the Outriders. And I thought it was really interesting that um, George Martin kept feeling the need to sort of say how Martin Rivers didn't look like a fray. <laughs> is it code for like, he's a good fray, doesn't look like a fray, it's okay. <laughs> but he definitely... You know, definitely makes us real. Makes us know that he doesn't look like a weasel. Um, so from Rivers, Cat learns that both Rob and the Blackfish headed west, leaving Edmure to hold River Run. And after Rob's victories, Tywin Lannister left Hall and is also headed west. And he's only a couple of days behind Cat's group. On the way to River Run, Rivers tells Cat and her group how Rob defeated Stafford Lannister's army killing Stafford and driving them all the way back to Lannisport. And we hear a couple stories about how the Northerners were raiding along the coast, capturing gold mines, and basically starting to turn the Westerlands into the Riverlands. I always think this is interesting, because you forget that the North you know, made it to the West Coast, essentially, and you hear about Madge Mormont you know, herding thousands of sheep and stuff. I mean, they really wrecked some havoc out there.
1: Mm-hmm oh yeah yeah well and like capturing the gold mines is is pretty big too i mean obviously they didn't get them all but i mean it's a big yeah. deal
4: yeah you forget that they were winning at one point yeah and like the
0: depth of their victory really oh yeah so and Frey, tm one of the good phrase um <laughs> <laughs> wonders how rob ever took the golden tooth and excuse me, Rivers tells the story of how Grey Wind found a goat track wide enough for Rob and his men to ride along single file. And that allowed them to slip past the Golden Tooth without even being seen. And there's all these wild rumors going around about um, about the wolves. And the best one is that Rob fed Stafford Lannister's heart to Grey Wind. And how Kat just, you know, her motherly instincts is like, my son would not do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, you know, the rumors, it's, you know, the rumors of the atrocities of war, are kind of on either side,
1: and when they yeah, but, but this is like on the friendly side. That's the funny thing,
0: about right? You know, we don't normally, hear, you know, we don't normally hear that, but there they are. You know, there they are, and you can see where people would be like, "Yeah, that's awesome. He is the young wolf." You know, <laughs> um, so they make camp that night, and Brienne comes to Kat and begs her leave. And Kat thinks about how Brienne kept to herself during their journey. And there's just, you know, two sentences about Brienne here that are pretty famous that I want to read. It was the same when she was with with Renly, Catlin thought. At the feast in the melee, even in Renly's pavilion with her Brothers of the Rainbow Guard. There are walls around this one higher than Winterfell's. And, um, oh, oh, God. I know. <laughs> Our baby Brie.
1: Well, it's funny that George revisits that imagery from Jamie's head.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it goes to show that if there's anything about Brienne that's true, it's that, you know, she really does have no ability to to be anything than what she is. She can never fake anything. Well, and how she just doesn't,
1: she just never fits in any fucking where, you know, it's like, like how Kat's talking about how, like, they've been... Riding along, and she just, you know, like she's there, she's with them, but she's just never one of the right. the bunch, you know. And it's just, oh God, poor
2: Every goddamn apart. minute that you have to read about her,
4: <laughs> it's like
2: heartbreaking.
0: She's really great at hunting and and cleaning game. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's really useful in the in the yeah. journey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor thing. I know. <laughs> So, oh. Brienne tells Kat that she wants to go back to Storm's End to try and kill Stannis. She insists that she's better than any of Stannis' guards. And Kat, to her credit, t- tries to talk her out of this since it's, you know, basically a suicide mission. And Brienne, yeah. Brienne won't, you know, it's, it's just interesting there's a conflict here. And I think when we think about um, Kat and Brienne's relationship, we forget about, like, moments like this where there is a bit of a conflict between them. And, you know, Brienne really won't accept Kat's comfort and... She starts to accuse her of thinking that Renly, you know, accuse her of thinking that Stannis is the rightful king and looking to an alliance with him already. And, mm-hmm. you know, not false. Like, Bran's not wrong here. And Cat mm-hmm. tells her that, you know, Renly's enemies are Rob's enemies and that if she wants to fight, then fight for Rob. And Bran says she can't do this. She doesn't even know him. But says right. she could serve Cat. And, you know, she... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, she even in that that part about fighting
2: for for Rob, she's urging her to like fight for the living and not the dead.
0: Yeah, which and oh. that line really. How did so I miss that line. Awesome yeah, Because right there. there's already, I mean, as we'll get to a little bit later. I mean, there's already a lot of a lot of Cat's future imagery and yeah. and you know things that make you think in this chapter. And God, yeah, that's. <laughs> well, it's like well, George it's also, isn't even trying. <laughs> it's also interesting
4: because she brings that back up when she, Brienne's talking to Jamie saying that he needs to fight, to live and stay alive to fight again. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, you know, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. She
4: repeats pretty much Catelyn's words mm-hmm. to Jamie. So, so
1: she, she, she internalizes of... this a little bit. That's good. Uh-huh. Well, it's like you think about, I mean, like just think about how Jamie describes how depressed Brienne is in in A Storm of Swords after Catelyn yeah. dies. Yeah. And now think how depressed she must have been at this point after Renly's death. I mean, like, she must have just been inconsolable. I mean, Cat has a lot more on her mind. Clearly she was paying attention to what was going on with Brienne, but, you know, she's, she's got bigger things on her mind. But I mean, like, you just think about Brienne's headspace right now. And like you said, girl, like she's basically, you know, just thinking, well, I'm just going to go suicide mission myself, try to kill Stannis. And that'll be it. I mean, like she's just kind of done with everything at this point.
3: Right. Yeah. Just, it's like fully ready to pull an Aries O-Cart and just like throw it away. <laughs> to- totally. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, and, when we think about how young she is, it, it kind of makes sense because I mean, you know, we see Loris, you know, later on in the story, basically, you know, he goes on a suicide mission himself. And, you know, mm-hmm. I always thought there's some similarities between those two characters and, you know, kind of the way that they love. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, not surprising to me that she would do that. And it's not surprising to me that she, you know, might be repeating that same action for, you know, either pod and or Jamie going forward. You know, it's kind of who oh, she
1: yeah. is. Well, you know, it's it's absolutely an echo of what you're going to see in Feast when yeah. she, you know, re- refuses to kill Jamie. Like, if she has to die, that's fine. Like, you know, she doesn't.
0: Or even sacrificing just, herself for the orphans. I mean, just. Yeah, you know. she just doesn't give
1: her own life. I- I'm not going to say she doesn't give it any value, but she just. She's not attached to her existence, I guess, is the best way to put it.
0: Well, I think, you know, she has that that dream of the glorious death in a way, too, which is, you know, kind of the heart of chivalry in a way. Not chivalry, but the heart of, like, you know, knighthood, I guess.
1: Mm. Well, that, and, you know, I mean, you can tell how much of her identity was wrapped up in in being in, in Renly's Kingsguard. I mean, this was a place that she could kind of understand herself, you know, and it's like, what is she now? It's like, you know, clearly they're, they're aware that, you know, half the kingdom thinks she killed Renly. And, you know, (laughs) these are things she doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about, but I mean, you kind of have to imagine there's, there's beyond just the despair of losing Renly. She's lost a lot here. You know, she's lost a place.
0: She was that rainbow cloak, you know, and again, to echo, you know, to echo kind of what happens with her and Jamie later. Yeah. I think You know, now that we're seeing, you know, some of the nice things about going through these chapters a little bit closer like this is that we do see that, you know, even at that point in time, you know, before the bath, before anything else, like, there's a lot, I think, that Brienne probably could relate to Jamie in that moment, like, the disgrace, Mm -hmm. of course, but then also the, you know, losing that aspect of herself so anyway, on the, that happy note, this is really overall not a super happy chapter, just for the record. No. Um, you know, Brienne decides that she can serve Cat, because Cat has what she calls a, a kind of woman's courage. And Brienne just asks Cat not to hold her back when the time comes for her to take revenge on Renly. And Cat agrees, and so Brienne pledges herself. And Cat and says, and I, I think this is, I hope this is an important passage. Cat um, says... And I vow that you shall always have a place by my hearth and meet and meet at my table and pledge to ask no service of you that might bring you into dishonor. I swear it by the old gods and the new. Arise. As she clasped the other woman's hands between her own, Catelyn could not help but smile. How many times did I watch Ned accept a man's oath of service? She wondered what he would think if he could see her now. And, you know, I think probably when, if you first read this, you would be focusing on Cat's promise to let Brienne go after Stannis. But now it's, you know, God, how much more important is that vow of hers to not ask Brienne for any service that would bring her into dishonor? And, you know, you wonder, is that is that kind of Brienne's way out?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there are theories that that will be her way out. Although I just feel like if Brienne was going to bring it up and she's going to have to be the one to bring it up to Lady Stoneheart or whatever's left of Catelyn. Why didn't she bring it up in Feast? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm not sure the vow will ever come up, but I mean, a lot of the theories that go around about it kind I, of hinge yeah. on this vow.
0: For yeah. me, I think it's more of a way out for herself because I can't imagine Stoneheart, you know, giving a shit. Stoneheart be like, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like her, yeah. you know, her way to do it for herself. You know, one thing this made me think of though is, you know, this this passage really. I think, gets to this idea that, you know, Brienne is going to have a chance to get her revenge on Renly. And, you know, obviously she did in the show. But, you know, do you really... Do any of you think that book Brienne is going to kill Stannis?
1: Uh, I always did wonder, actually. I couldn't quite figure out how it would happen. But, I mean, I always did wonder. It's, it's the reason I always assumed that she was headed north in the books, actually.
0: Okay. Anyone else on the Brienne-going-to-kill-Stannis train?
4: Um, Not
0: really. I just couldn't see how, like, it would work out,
4: like, statistically. And logistically.
2: Yeah, 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 logistically, that's what I I meant. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on that path, too. I mean, they're not really faring very well right now from what we've read so far. So, I mean, I really don't know (laughs) because George has the way of going
0: left field.
2: Whenever you think that you're going (laughs)
0: down one path, he he zigs and he zags. So, I mean, there's no telling. It's interesting. It's like, well, how could, you know, Jaime ever get down to King's Landing to kill Cersei before, you know, Aegon takes over? And how can Brienne ever get up north to kill Stannis before, you know, one of the many people that would like to kill Stannis would? (laughs) And yeah. Yeah, apparently this really might happen.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you That's know, if you possible. believe the pink letter, Stannis is already dead in the books. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, there there are a lot of logistical questions, um, and, and it is hard. And and you know, like you kind of expect George to kind of zig, you know, when when the story seems to be going somewhere. On the other hand. He doesn't always. Sometimes, you know, his narrative's fairly straightforward, so it's it's really hard to tell. I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised if she kills Stannis in the books. I'll put it that
3: way, but
0: I'll be shocked. I mean. but, you know, I I prepare to be shocked. I guess. Mm-hmm.
3: Dude, I feel like it's set up really well for her to like have to choose whether or not to like do what's like more honorable or to like do what like she said she would do and kill Stannis. Like, I imagine she'd have to choose between like protecting. Sansa or Arya or killing Stannis.
0: I mean, unlike in the show where she got uh, to do all of them and had no consequences?
3: Yeah, uh-huh. I'm like that.
0: <laughs> Sweet! Everything's going great for Brienne. So, <laughs> um, the next day they cross the Red Fork and Kat realizes that Edmure is preparing to fight. And as they get closer and closer to Riverrun, they're joined by the steady stream of small folk and they see camps of Edmure's bannermen, and S- which is you know, evidence that he's called them back from their own holdfast. And as they get to Riverrun, the first thing Kat sees are men dangling against the walls and, and their Lannisters. And basically everyone's super happy about it, except for Brienne, and there's a nice little quote here, who gazed up at the row of bodies unblinking and neither spoke nor smiled. And Catelyn, who knows that if Jamie is one of those dangling bodies, it means her daughters are dead. Edmure gallops out to meet her and tells her that their father is still alive and he talks about the siege of Storm's End. And we get a little bit of news that Stannis demanded the castle and Edric Storm, but Courtney Penrose, the castellan, cast, uh, excuse me, the castellan, refused and instead he sent letters saying he'd support whatever king came to their aid. And Cat doesn't understand why the man wouldn't just give up the boy, because he's no blood. Which, again, is interesting. Like she kind of, you know, She's like, oh, why wouldn't she just give up this kid? And, you know, it's kind of like her lack of regard for John in a way. And it, you know, brought up another question for me, which was, you know, was Ned right to keep the cat in the dark about John's parentage? And, you know, how fast would she have sold out John if it meant keeping her own kids safe? And and, I mean, I think the answer is like immediately. So (laughs) So fast. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Faster than Jamie would toss Bran out a window, basically. (laughs) So Edmure goes on to tell Cat about the Lannister men on the walls and some of them are these envoys that were actually sent by Tyrion to jailbust Jamie and the attempt failed but we get this nice little story about how Jamie got a hold of a sword for a little bit and you know killed several men which yeah Jamie <laughs> kind of like you know anytime we hear about Jamie being awesome um, kind of off-screen as as we will And Edmure actually believed Cleos Frey that he knew nothing about the plot. And so he put Cleos in a tower cell, which, you know, let's, you know, Cleos actually did come back to his credit to, like, come back to go to jail um, (laughs) instead of going off to the Summer Isles like anyone else would (laughs) have. And um, he's relegated Jamie to the bowels of Riverrun and chained him hand and foot to a wall. And so then we get inside the, we get inside Riverrun, and Cat, you know, immediately sees that Edmure has allowed the small folk inside the castle, and, you know, she asks Edmure who all these people are, and he says, you know, my people, Edmure answered, they were afraid. Only my sweet brother would crowd all these useless mulls into a castle that might soon be under siege. Catelyn knew that Edmure had a soft heart. Sometimes she thought his head was even softer. She loved him for it, yet still. And, you know, this makes me personally love Admir, but what do you guys think? I like him for that. I think that's a really a
2: good thing to do for your small folk. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's the... It's the breakdown between, you know, what's good strategy, what makes you a good commander and what makes you a decent human being. And I mean, right. Ed Muir is is so much more decent a human being. It's funny because Brienne at one point in this chapter also brings up, you know, the difference between, you know, like what what happens to peasants and what happens to nobility. And it's like this is a really good example of that. It's like, you know, peasants just are not as important to the nobility at all. They they do not treat them the same like here. Later in the chapter, you'll have Edmure really worried about getting Catelyn somewhere safe. Rob's worried about getting her somewhere safe, but you know, like the toddler that she saw out in the in, in the courtyard of the castle. Well, you know, the toddler's on their own. It's it's really it's really a big kind of breakdown in morality.
0: Yeah, I can't. You know, I I don't have it in my notes unfortunately exactly where it is, but I I know that you know when cat got back to river run rob wants her to go to winter or wants her to go to the twins and you know help pick out a wife and Catelyn pretty much immediately nopes out of that and wants to stay at river run and you know the thing she tells herself is because her fa- you know her father's there but i mean does anyone believe that i mean to me i thought this chapter and like every cat chapter kind of shows that she enjoys this war strategy Mm-hmm. Like this is what she wants to be doing. Yeah. And honestly, if
2: she would have gone to the twins right now and picked out a daughter for Would for have been Rob, even worse. Wouldn't it have been too late? Because I mean he's already, yeah. you know, fought the Lannisters. Roose Bolton has already wed one of
0: one of Walter Frey's other daughters, Fat Walda. So wouldn't it have been too late anyway? Well, I think it'd be too late in the sense that Rob still would have married Jane. Right, mm. and so then it you know might have been worse in that yeah, yeah really, but I think Roos at this point was still kind of, I mean I think his he wasn't you know he was sort of playing both sides still, because he mm-hmm. wouldn't have you know the Freys weren't planning to betray Rob quite yet.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think some of that starts to kind of tip after the Lannisters win in, in at Blackwater, I think. Um right. is is when, you know, I think you kind of see a kind of more resolution on the part of <laughs> Rob's traitors.
0: God. Poor Rob. <laughs> um so you know, Kat starts to question Edmure's intentions in the war. And Edmure insists that they go to the Godswood to discuss it because he doesn't want to be chatting about his war plans with his big sister in front of everyone. And Cat thinks that they shouldn't engage Tywin as he makes his way west across the Riverlands, but Edmure disagrees. And he says he has Roose Bolton in the south to retake Hall and get Edmure from the rear, and then another 11,000 to take him from the other side. Cat questions his decision, although, to be fair, she kind of reconsiders when Edmure tells her that both the Brackens and the Blackwoods agree with this strategy. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I can see that. She's kind of like, well, if the, both of them agree, it must be right, because they agree on nothing. <laughs> you know, she's already pretty, you know, kind of what we were talking about before. She's actually already pretty suspicious of the phrase, and... You know, she considers the Walders at Winterfell as hostages already. Like, they're not squires. <laughs> like, they're flat-out hostages in her mind, which is funny. Like, And it's not that I think she, they're... I don't know that she thinks they're going to betray Rob so much as they're just not going to fight for him. I mean, that is Walder's yeah. reputation is just yeah. not fight.
1: Yeah, I think she's just afraid of him, of, of Walder showing up for them when they need him.
3: Yeah, like, she really doesn't want to use the, the garrison that Rob left at the twins but Edmure's just like whatever like that's cool we'll just use them for my yeah. plan seems and, pretty dismissive
0: and I mean again you know Walder's like knee deep in this with with the Starks you know he's gonna have a you know as far as he knows he's gonna have a daughter on the throne next to Rob he's got a bunch of his kids and his grandkids fighting with him. he's got Fatwalda married to Bruce you know like he's I feel like he's keeping faith at this point. Like he's not going to dick him over yet.
1: Yeah. We, well, yeah. I think there is kind of a yet there. I mean, for for Walder, there's no question that it's when when Rob marries Jane that that everything turns south. But you you can't say that 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 Walder may not have had a weather eye out for other opportunities at oh. this point. I'm sure that he did.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, if nothing else, I mean. You know, you know he, he just, in general, is not a fan of the Tullies, and I would imagine that, you know, if anything yeah. would have happened to any of the Tullies, there would, you know... I mean, imagine... Like, imagine if Edmure died in battle. Like, how fast would Cat be married to a Frey? Like, within, like, a minute? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, immediately that's happening. <laughs> like, not oh, even... I mean, it would take, like, less than a second for that to happen. So, I mean, you know, I mean... <laughs> He could have been well, thinking that even. Yeah, I I mean,
1: yeah, it could it, it you know, he could have been thinking things like that. I think it's just kind of like with Roos, where where Roose is is using the war to his advantage, like making sure that his neighbors forces get more depleted than his own <laughs> and and you know, he's just kind of thinking a few steps ahead for his own advantage and I think Walder's doing that. And I think it's just kind of th- that frame of mind that leaves them open to, you know, kind of the the plot with Tywin yeah. later. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the seeds of it in in that they think that way um, are certainly there at this point.
0: So, Cat, you know, continues her bad day by going to visit her father, who thinks she's Liza, and he's relive, reliving the point in time where he's kind of forcing Liza into her marriage with with John Aaron, and he's telling her not to speak of that wretched—is it stripling or stripling? I don't know. Um,
1: I think it's stripling. <laughs>
0: these words what are words and it's so funny like cats can't even think of who he could possibly mean and she starts wondering if Liza hooked up with some singer and it's so weird to me that she doesn't even I mean she knows that you know Liza's making out with tongue yeah (laughs) with little finger and like this never of all the things she puts together this is the one thing she never even considers
1: I know, and is it What's just because
0: is it because that she knew Littlefinger was in love with her, and so she couldn't even imagine that you well, know, I just don't know There's really no ex- consideration
1: yeah, I don't know. there's really no excuse for her not to at least have the thought that it could be Baelish. I mean, come on,
3: I feel like she has kind of like a blind eye to her own family, where she's usually like pretty keen on everything else? That's
0: yeah. a good point, yeah, yeah. true.
3: Or maybe she just never, never thought Littlefinger would have done anything with anyone else.
1: Finger of Liza.
0: I mean, he has, you know, he's been celibate for like eighteen years, or you know, seventeen years, or whatever, just pining for cat, right? <laughs> yes, of course.
4: He, he doesn't own brothels or anything. No, That's well, no I'm worried. sure he
0: owns them, but he doesn't partake.
4: It's just a business venture, honestly.
0: Right. He's got to earn a living. So, she
3: does give like a hint though at because like, her dad mistakes her for Lysa just like Littlefinger mistook oh, Lysa yeah. for her.
0: That's so. a very good point. Good fucking point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's you know, these visits with Hoster are, it's interesting because he's always stuck, you know, at, does he He has like a, you know, a fairly lucid moment like, right when she gets there, but I mean it doesn't last very long. We really get nothing of Hoster other than You know, these kind of tantalizing hints that I think, you know, the reader even can, the reader can figure this out, even if Kat's not. Mm, mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, we're meant to. Yeah, (laughs) sure.
0: Mm -hmm. So Kat's day finally ends, and I know this chapter is over the course of a couple days, but I feel like this one particular day is just really awful. (laughs) Like, just a terrible day. day. (laughs) And, you know, she gets a visit from the Silent Sisters who've come with Ned's bones and there's a there's a good paragraph that I, I want to read. Um, Bones, Catlin thought. This is not Ned. This is not the man I loved, the father of my children. His hands were clasped together over his chest, skeletal fingers curled about the hilt of some long sword. But they were not Ned's hands, so strong and full of life. They addressed the bones in Ned's surcoat, the fine white velvet with the direwolf badge over the heart, but nothing remained of the warm flesh that had pillowed her head so many nights, the arms that had held her. The head had been rejo- rejoined to the body with fine silver wire, but one skull mm. looks much like another, and in those empty hollows she found no trace of her lord's dark eyes, eyes that could be soft as fog or hard as stone. They gave his eyes to crows, she remembered." <laughs>
2: That's uh. just awful, you know, <laughs> no. to send your husband away to King's Landing and and have Bones back to like, see him again like that. Like, I was just wondering, I mean, do they just wire all the Bones together with this, all of the Bones? Sounds like <laughs> <Which>? it. <laughs> I'm guessing just to keep them together. That's true, it's not like, <laughs> yeah. And, and do the Silent Sisters clean the Bones and everything? Like What
4: oh, a shitty job, yeah. God. Like they what? clean
0: the bones? What? Huh? Yeah. I just think like what a terrible job being a silent sister. Isn't that I where can't they even like complain make about like, it. Right, exactly. Like they, they can't. make like the girls that like had sex basically become a silent sister. I think
1: sometimes yeah, that's how they end up there. I mean, some of them must volunteer, but It's funny. Know, it was really it was really sad, like, the way that she she gets back to her room and then she sees these two, you know, religious women and yeah. she knows they're silent. So she doesn't name them as silent sisters, but you know that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, immediately knows, oh,
0: Ned. It's funny when you think of, like, the amount of fan fiction that, you know, future fan fiction that has Marjorie as a silent sister. <laughs> you just think uh, of, like, a not thing. a good fit.
1: Mm-hmm. such a weird thing Yeah,
0: I mean like but yeah
1: it, it is clearly a very it's funny because you know you see this like with the Catholic churches as well where there are these you know bizarrely powerful roles that, that women you know have in mm-hmm. in the religious rites and the, the, definitely the
3: silent sisters are, are
1: the weirdest and also
2: yeah. <laughs> the
0: creepiest mm-hmm.
3: well some say oh. they can talk to the dead so that's pretty cool yeah
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Kat says that, Kat says they don't talk to the living, but some say they can speak to the dead. And, you know, the chapter ends with her, you know, thinking about how she envies that. Mm. Which, I mean, here's the thing about Kat (laughs) is, you know, who does she, you know, does she really want to talk to Ned? Or does she, you know, I feel like she wants to, like, talk at Ned. Because I I just don't see Kat, Mm -hmm. like... Having, I don't see her like having this incredible need to have like a back and forth conversation about things and have you know this picture of Ned say anything to her. Like I feel well, it's like it's not she
3: like she, can... she has good news for him.
0: Right. <laughs> true. Or poor vice versa. So honey, she says I She wants killed. him
3: to see Brienne swear uh, to her, but that's like the only thing to go well for her so
0: I thought yeah, it was interesting uh, that she does notice that he doesn't have ice and you know thinking god help Brienne if Kat knew what Oathkeeper actually was
4: mm, right. oh, gosh. Like, oh. <laughs> oh
0: yeah I don't think she would have had a choice then no I mean no choice no chance like right there yep. so you know the chapter ends she turns away from the bones and she orders um, Hal Mullen, one of her men, to accompany, accompany the Silent Sisters to Winterfell, and that's it. Um, any thoughts? Any last thoughts on the chapter? Oh God! Do we have any idea where the bones end up? You know, I think that um, I think they come through the neck. Like I feel like I, think, I right? Like they yeah, come when through Mel
3: Yeah, when Rob has his plan to take Mel When he does the whole like will signing, and he sends Major Mormont and someone else through the neck, he sends the bones with them, I think. And Mm -hmm. then you never hear again. And then there's
0: there's speculation that Barbie Dustin ran into them, (laughs) and and, you know might have had her own little personal revenge on the Starks, and that's why (laughs) she might be receptive to, you know, being a little more on their side in the future. Like she kind of got off the murder. Weird thought. Okay,
2: so if, like, the others can resurrect the dead, okay? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just they're wiring the bones together. Like, dead could come
0: back. <laughs> what if they wired the bones with a Valerian silver wire, though? <laughs> They'd just be, like, destroying themselves. <laughs> could you imagine if Skeleton, <laughs> skeleton zombie Ned came back. Like, how soon are you closing the book at that point oh, and just being God. like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I
1: waited the 27 years
0: for this? <laughs> yeah. Like, it would be, I mean, there might be like that moment of like, really? And then you'd be like, well, this is kind of awesome. And then you'd be like, oh, this is really not awesome at all.
1: Oh, Catelyn would be bad like, but,
0: but we've been watching the show,
2: so let's just go <laughs> with it. skeleton
0: zombie
2: (laughs) condition to accept stupidity at this point
4: (laughs) will it be like oh well this isn't that bad it's not that stupid
0: it (laughs) could be worse it could be be worse they could have like six people hunting him (laughs) (laughs) to take him back to king's landing to cut (laughs) his head off again (laughs) oh god okay I'm letting my bitterness uh, bitterness sleep seep through. Sorry. Fine with us. Hey, Ian, do you have any mail for us? If, if we're uh, done with the chapter? Yeah, we got some mail.
2: Um, We have our first one is from an Anon. It says, I love the discussion in your latest episode about whether a shadow baby could defeat an other. It made me wonder about what exactly (laughs) the hierarchy of supernatural powers is. We know that Dragonfire can defeat the others, but what about Shadow Babies? Do do you think Brienne could kill a Shadow Baby with Oathkeeper? Ah, mm. uh, I would say no. That's what I would think. I don't, I don't think no have- I mean, Valyrian steel has special magical powers, who knows. Yeah, but like I mean, what if the Shadow Baby sneaks up on Brienne and just, you know, Well, then no. 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 <laughs>
0: But if she, but, I mean, like, if, caught it with the sword, I feel like she would kill it. Probably. I mean, if it
2: was a fair fight, but I don't think shadow babies play fairly. <laughs> no, no.
1: That's so, funny, though. I hadn't thought about Valyrian Steel, but that might be something that could fight a shadow baby. Who, oh, um, God. <laughs> Who know. knows? I'm going to be really honest with you. I feel like there, if there's anything that George really no, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. For this. Really didn't <laughs> think through very well before he kind of dove into it. It was a lot of the supernatural elements of his his plot, like it, in so much as like he seemed to have been reluctant to even include any to begin with. So it's like I don't even know if he knows what the hierarchy of his magic is. Like there may not be one.
3: I don't think uh, we're gonna see another shadow, baby. At least I hope not.
0: Here's oh, I think I mean there's. I mean I feel like Shireen's gonna obviously get killed and sacrificed and you know it's to birth something like shadow dragon me may- I don't know but I mean <laughs> well, that'd be cool Yeah shadow dragon would be shadow awesome dragon?
1: the stone dragon
0: <laughs> but like shadow dragon <laughs> I well, mean I, I think bad for that red priest is a right? shadow dragon well, no, it would just, <laughs> oh, just be a shadow egg and it would hatch to shadow dragon oh, <laughs> oh. Okay,
1: so you're saying your red priestess is gonna lay a shadow egg? <laughs> yeah,
4: maybe. No, do you have okay. patch the shadow egg? Like, does somebody have to like incubate the shadow egg then? Yes. Or is it like patch self? face? Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> you have to sit
2: on it.
0: <laughs> patch face will be sitting on the egg for like eight hundred pages of winds. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> And then we'll get it in a dream of spring. Yep. That'll be the that'll be the
0: prologue will be the birth of the of the of the shadow dragon egg. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alright, we got one from Kama, aka Grammar Saves Lives, it says, uh, great episode. As usual, I still maintain that Rinley would have made a bad king. And also, <laughs> Chicky, I love Stannis more
0: than you do. <laughs> it is known. <numb. laughs> Probably
4: true. <laughs> that is
0: yeah. wow. Yeah. Are, I mean it's true, but those are still fighting words. <laughs> yeah, that's fighting
2: words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Let me take a drink of this gin. You do what you gotta do to get through. I know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's it's a drag man.
2: Yeah. Uh one from Maxine that says, Hi ladies. I wanted to let you know let you know, guys, that I just Started listening to the podcast and I'm really enjoying it. It took me a long time to actually listen to this podcast. Because I'm not a Jamie and Brienne shipper, and I actually don't like Brienne that much. I hope that's okay. So wait a
0: second here. How desperate do you have to be for, like, a song that I and fire (laughs) content that you're like, well, I mean, I don't like Brienne, and I don't ship Jamie and Brienne, but I suppose I could listen to this podcast. Like, you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel with us there. I am sorry that
1: you're this (laughs) desperate. Oh, my gosh. Because it's like we call time out to talk about how much we love Brienne. I'm pretty sure every episode. Let's just all shop and sigh about (laughs) Brienne.
3: Hey, I, I started listening it. to this podcast in a similar situation.
0: Like, you were that desperate? <laughs> Did you really? I was
3: extremely desperate. <laughs> <laughs> but I've I since been it. converted to
0: <laughs>
2: Hey, maybe we'll convert Maxine. Yeah. Cool. Um, she goes on to say, but I decided to give the podcast a try when the Catlin reread started, and I love you, ladies. And how you just make the discussion a regular conversation. I've also started listening to the Xerxes read episodes in between the Catlin releases, and they're great too. The two things I enjoy most about the podcast is that you're not book snobs. You'll mention this note, the show while discussing <laughs> the books, and you won't hesitate to criticize George R.R. Martin. Yes, please continue to call him on the fact that Wins is not out yet.
4: It's
1: other podcast. Oh God, love you. Has she not? Has she not listened to any of the Game of Thrones episodes yet? Because I
2: know. <laughs> <it's like dark. laughs> Bless um, you. She says other podcast. Podcasts refuse to do these things, and while they're great too, I particularly enjoy this aspect of your podcast. Oh. In regards to the last couple of episodes, I don't understand how you guys are convinced Renly would be a good king. <laughs> I don't see it mostly because. We just don't have enough information, in my opinion. The only thing we really know about Rinley is that he is charismatic and can inspire loyalty and gather an army. Robert started out the same way, and I don't think anyone would argue he he was a good king. I would even argue he may be a step below what Robert was because we don't even know if he can actually fight for himself. Seems like Loras was going to fight all his battles. Anyway, great podcast, and I will continue to listen.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna oh, make yeah. a. I've thought about this message for a little bit.
2: I, <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. This is great,
0: and I have a little yeah. defense, a, a little defensive. Friendly, like I think there was a message last week that kind of spoke to the idea of like Renly claiming the throne, kind of undermines the entire system of, you know, the eldest brother inheriting blah blah blah, and, and I think there's you know definitely a point. There's definitely a point to that, that you know I was not taking. So point taken on that. But I think for me, and I I don't, you know, I don't, again, we don't know what Renly would have been like, and we don't know what he would have been like, you know, in, I mean, I think we can guess maybe what he's like in a peace situation. We have no idea what he'd be like with, you know, a a supernatural threat. But I think, you know, for me, it's like Renly in the small council, he was the master of laws. And to me, I feel like, okay, that implies that he has some level of intellect and, I think that puts him a step ahead of Robert. Not saying Robert's dumb, but just saying, you know, I think someone who's the master of law at some point has had an interest, you know, an, inter- an interest in gaining knowledge. Yeah. And you know, he kind of has like the wit and the quickness to fight with Littlefinger. I mean, it's like little jabs back and forth, but he's got a quick mind, I think. And then I think you know, you know, Robert took the throne, kind of, you know, he was. Sort of the, the the biggest guy standing, if you will. Whereas Renly sort of developed this coal, you know, this pretty powerful coalition. And mm-hmm. there's something to be said for just the ability to do that, to like curry these, um, these powerful, these powerful friends and allies. And I, I think those are things that, you know, I think in a peacetime, those are things that would make Renly potentially a really successful king. So then I was thinking, you know, what kind of king does Renly want to be? And I think there's some characters, you know, like Daenerys, I think you can kind of see that if she came to Westeros and there's no others, there's nothing else, I think, you know, there's a lot of her that would want to implement some of the same things that Egg did. You know, increasing the, perhaps increasing the power of the king and decreasing the power of the nobles in comparison to the small folk. But she would have dragons with, with which to kind of enforce that on the nobles. And I, I think that's where that's politically where she would stand. With Renly, I feel like Renly's like more of the status quo in terms of like he wants to build like this actually more chivalrous world, which you know is a fantasy, but I think that's kind of what he would want to do. And again, you know, in peacetime that might work out really well. In war, you know, in wartime, who knows. But I mean, yeah, I don't think he'd be a horrible king. Like I don't think he's the worst person in the world and I think a lot of our opinions yeah. of him are colored by the show, first of all, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking
1: of that, I gotta say, the whole thing about Renly not being able to fight is a show thing. I think did he not ever fight on the show? Because it's not at all about the books. I mean, he he literally, <laughs> loris was his squire. He taught loris how to fight. <laughs> I mean, he can he could fight in the books.
3: Um, yeah, he has I, like tournaments in the book, and in the show, yeah. he's afraid of blood. Yeah, yeah. So he he says what?
0: He's afraid of. He's blood. afraid of
3: blood in the is show. He? Uh, or he's yeah, disgusted
0: see, by I it or something. So. When Loras is shooting yeah. him. But this is mm.
1: not this is not Renly of the books. I mean, if you read a Game of Thrones again, I mean Renly is you know, Renly wants to fight and whatever. I mean, you know, it's not um, there were a lot of a lot of stereotypes because because Renly and Loras are gay that were used in the show which really um, are, are not who their characters are in the books. I mean, you know, they're, they're not they're not a stereotype of anything. They're very individual people who have yeah. their own likes and interests that aren't defined by their sexuality. <laughs> and mm-hmm. One of them is that they're both pretty serious soldiers. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's what I mean, I, you know, I, you can get into this forever, but uh, – I want to reiterate again, and we did say this like the first episode. We we're talking about the War of the Five Kings. When you look at the War of the Five Kings and the options that are available to you, yeah, I think Renly would have been a way better. Better king than Stannis, better king than Rob, definitely better king than Joffrey, and definitely better king than Balon. Well, I think, I'm, you know, Stannis you know,
0: standing for was Balon. <laughs> well, you know. <clears throat> I mean, you know, <laughs> the best options were... The best options that Westeros yeah. probably had at that time were Renly or Tommen, as ruled by Tywin. Yeah, <laughs> like Maybe. those, you know, would would have been okay. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I told like we've had a lot of disagreement about the Renly thing, so it's really kind of fun. Like I, I love these questions. Oh no, I love it. I love these kind of questions. <laughs> so <laughs> bring a, so you know.
1: Smooth, and that's the best part about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah there's no I
3: right feel answer. Like an, another advantage that Renly would have over Robert is that. Robert was, like, lonely and, like, like, Cersei wasn't there for him. He was basically just, like, he didn't like anyone around him. But I think as long as Renly had, like, Loras to, like, occasionally go to the Sept and pray with him, I think he would have been pretty happy.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, like, Marjorie seemed like she was, you know, brought up to not necessarily expect, like, a romantic marriage. And, you know, they might have been somewhat happy. And, you know, I think Renly probably would have looked the other way once they had a couple of kids.
4: Oh, I'm, I'm sure they, they would have had,
0: something else. Yeah, they could have right. had, like, a happy, you know, unconventionally happy marriage.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. hmm Huh. We got one more. It's an
2: iTunes review, and Ooh. I take it, this is by Juju Bean's niece. Juju Bean, $82 <laughs> niece. Um, it's titled, Y'all Got Me in Trouble, But I Still Love Ya. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars, um... Goes on to say, I love graphic novels, so my Aunt Juju bought me the Dunkin' Egg books because she's cool like that. <laughs> she loaned me her iPod while visiting so I could listen to your show. I was laughing so hard instead of doing my homework, and my mom busted me. <laughs> she said, you're, you're 14 years old let's see she said your 14 year old years don't need to be hearing all of this mm-hmm. mainly because of y'all cussing <laughs> mind you she was cussing me out while telling me I can't listen to cussing moms go figure I'm still gonna listen anyway because I'm a teenager and this is my time to give her gray hairs love you all Angela from Brooklyn oh God, that's amazing it's so terrifying so I know I think I got somebody from New York to start saying "y'all."
0: That's awesome. That's oh.
4: that's
2: that's the real claim
1: to fame, right there, buddy. <laughs> that's better than podcast camp, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> so, fourteen-year-olds listen to us.
0: I mean, do we oh, have, do any have any advice for fourteen-year-olds? Do we have do we to we start recording? I don't think I legally for we that have 14-year-old. to. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell <laughs> well. has advice for that fourteen?
4: What's your advice? The advi-
3: if you like Germ's graphic novel adaptations, I've heard that the In the House of the Worm comic book one is pretty good, but I haven't I haven't read it. I've read In the House of the Worm though and it's really good and the main character has supposedly a Jamie like arc.
1: Huh. Oh. Oh wow. well, we could endorse that.
4: Yeah.
3: It's pretty yeah. weird though, I will say.
4: I Very just weird. like Very to say weird. I appreciate the fact that she's using a game of thrones to rebel. Cause I too used game of thrones to rebel when I was 16. So. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. Oh God.
1: Yeah. God. <laughs> like what was, even, like, like, e,
0: what was right? the world We're when I was rated. 16?
1: Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <Cropping> youth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap it up. You guys. Um, thanks again for joining us. Everyone. Oh, and well. if you want to find out more, you can support our podcast and become a Patreon. And you get special benefits like special episodes and exclusive early ap- access to new episodes. And listen and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. And you can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at and at com. And thanks again, you guys, and thank you all for listening. i um, really upset for you that you got desperate enough to listen to us, but, you know, we'll do <laughs> <get it>. so,
1: <laughs> Seriously, for
0: real, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm closing the door. Get out.